Hi, and welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this particular episode, we are going to be covering Two-Faced Jack, which is episode number eight of season one. Written by James Hurst, directed by Ron Murphy, and this aired in the U.S. on May 20th, 2016. This one, I forget how much is in this episode, but, uh, you know, right off the bat, we come off of that cliffhanger we had last week where we've got the the music in this opening scene where Doc is finding Nicole's car. It's just perfection. The old timey, creepy, like you wouldn't think this music would really fit in anywhere else besides like a saloon, but it just adds so much to this creepy rolling car scene. Yeah. I love how the closed captioning actually lists it as old timey music. (laughs) I know. It's like, how else do you describe it? Right. It's old timey. (laughs) I'm like, is this carnival music? Is this saloon music? It's just old timey. But yeah, the panic on Doc's face is just, we're all kind of feeling it what's going on where are they and yeah we we don't know until we see Winona waking up in the hospital and this scene too is just it's like a different feeling from all the other episodes we've had it's like we've got this this other location she's in a hospital there's water stained ceiling tiles and um she thinks her legs are paralyzed. And I remember also thinking like, what the heck is going on? I, I fell for it right away. Did you think? Well, yeah, we're still, yeah, we're still early in the, in the show. I mean, we're only about halfway through season one here. So we really don't know much about what the show is going to be. And yeah, it's very concerning to have her there to be told she's got no use of her legs. Again, this entire episode is another one of those reminders, which we've touched on in some of the previous episodes, how much um, horror aspects we've got early in season one, especially with everything that's going on in this, do air quotes, hospital. Um, Yeah, there's a lot more of it than I had remembered in some of my early watches and rewatches. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you have Dr. Reggie there just, you know, kind of gaslighting her into thinking all these things that, you know, she was drinking. Uh, But I just love you know, just typical Winona. She's just, she's thinking so fast. She just woke up in this hospital bed. She doesn't know where she is, but immediately you can see her going into like scanning and assessing the situation mode. And um, she's like, no, I wasn't drinking. And, you know, Nicole was driving, asked Nicole, where's Nicole? And she's already adding up that this, or assessing that this doesn't add up. Um, She's really just trying to like get this information from him. And I'm trying to think prior to now, has she been referring to Nicole as Nicole? Uh, On occasion, yes. Or has she just not really referenced her very much? Because I know going forward, it's a lot of nicknames, right? But here it's like in this episode, she refers to her a lot as Nicole. I think it's maybe still before that real relationship has started to sink in with the with the joking and the mm-hmm. nicknames yep no i would agree it's still we're still setting up some basics and also because of her concern it's not like it's time to do 
a lot of fun jokey things, you know. Yeah, I just remember it was it was stood out to me in this episode because I was like, oh, it's just it's kind of weird hearing her refer to Nicole as Nicole because yeah, from here on out, it's pretty much Hot Wheels, Hot to Trot, you know, you name it, Tater Hot, mm-hmm. all the good stuff. And um, yeah, I just love how she's just she's on to him. She's like. You know, there's no medical school at Princeton and she's crimping her IV so that he can't, you know, get the solution into her, um, her IV bag. And I just like, how does she know all this stuff? She's just so worldly and she doesn't get enough credit for how much she knows about the world. Yeah. I think one of the words that comes to mind in my notes for her in this episode is fearless. Yeah, absolutely. You know, doesn't have the use of her legs, but that's okay. I'll just roll myself out of bed, drag myself around to get stuff, try to get Bethany to to smarten up and all, and everything else. Yeah, it's a great way to look and see. You know, comparing her to Bethany and and realizing how much she has to use her her smarts and situational knowledge to be able to keep herself alive. Yeah, and this this self preservation she has, where she can just kind of like stuff down all the all the fear and the feelings and just deal with what she has to deal with for herself and, and for others is really interesting. And I, it's hard to tell at this point, like if it's, if it's her doing this all for herself or if she's already just worried about, okay, uh, I got to find Nicole. uh, And then later on also helping Bethany as well. You have to wonder Mm -hmm. what, what her motives are. Is it, you know, what's, where's Waverly and all this? Is she still in, you know, is she now in danger too? Because I don't know what's happening with her. Um, I just wonder like what her motives were as far as, is that if it was more, if it was more altruistic or if it's, if she was already just thinking about everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, every every situation, I think every situation we see in this uh, episode, you know, every encounter with Reggie, she's assessing the situation, trying to see what she can do. Um, you know, uh, knowing when to wait, knowing when to pounce and, and all that. Again, it's a great example of her reading a situation rather than just just going all crazy because right. she can't. She can't walk. I mean, you know, at first she's got to wait and try to work with Bethany and then she realizes she can't. She gets the scalpel, doesn't get the opportunity to use it, right. you know, finally gets a drop on him later. I mean, it's just real. You, you talk about a master class in, in street smarts. Yeah. And it reminds me too of, you know, this, the scene much later on with mama, where she's like, you know, what did I teach you? And it's, it's a lot of that assess the situation, like keep your wits about you type of stuff. And um, we will see that later, but I know she's a character, but it's just so badass. Like, it's just, I'm so in awe of her as a character. I know she's not real, but she's not real. <laughs> and yep, then- right there with you. <laughs> And then at the sheriff's office, we have we have Doc, we have Dolls, and we have Waverly, and they're all going over the situation. And Doc's filling them in on, you know, who the Jack of Spades is, and that he's a serial killer from back in the day. And then Waverly realizes that he's also the last of the seven. And immediately she's like, "Come on, we gotta go." And Doc says to her, or Dolls says to her, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Waverly, you can't go anywhere with that broken wing of yours." Kevin, ding, I ding, dropped ding. my remote control. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, ding. Even at the very beginning, talk, Doc referred to the horse as an angel. You yeah. know, come on. All these little things in there. 
And I know it's common to call an arm a wing, but like still. Mm -hmm. How appropriate. Yes. It's like that wing of hers. Yes. Mm -hmm. I literally had my remote in my hand. I was like, shut up right now. Just dropped (laughs) it on the couch. Uh. (laughs) And, um, And then we get dolls asking for Doc's help. So we see the start of them actually starting to come together and work together, which is really nice to see. This episode was huge for the two of them, um, you know, and, and again, not liking each other, but understanding, you know, why Nona is priority and also understanding bigger picture, what's going on in purgatory and all. This is just foundational stuff for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many great exchanges. Absolutely. Uh, so many great ones. Yeah. And uh, and in this uh, this scene too we also start to see fatherly nedley where he lets them know hey we found uh sheriff hot or officer hot and um you can hear the concern and the fear in his voice and there's more emotion in him than we've seen so far and he he's just he's really concerned about her and he's like yeah you can question her but if her doctors say anything about her needing a break you need to give her a break right away. And then he says, and when they find the bastard uh, who did that, they need to make sure that nobody else does too. So he wants them taken care of. And it's interesting because we don't know that Nedley knows about any of the supernatural or anything like that at this point. So this is kind of a, a glimpse for us into just like how Nedley might operate some of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he indulges also having more of an understanding of, you know, hey, you know, we're dropping the small ticky tack stuff between each other. Let's take care of what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it's all this foundational stuff that's just kind of bouncing around back and forth as they're all trying to to find a way to save Nicole and Winona. Um, and then this scene with Bethany just always makes me feel so sad. It's like you immediately have Wynona like trying to pep Bethany up, encouraging her and talking her through all the things that they need to do. And we see Bethany who who so badly wants to like believe that somebody wants to take care of her, even if if it's the bad guy. <laughs> She's just like, no, he's treating me so nice. And Wynona's like, oh my God, listen, this is this is not gonna end the way you think it's gonna end. And Bethany just lays back down and's like, I'm not like you, Wynona. I'm not brave. Yeah. And, you know, my heart breaks and I don't really give a crap about this character. I mean, I could take or leave her, but it just shows how it's not easy to do these hard, heroic things. And, you know, some even though Wynona is like a mess up, sometimes she just makes it seem so effortless that she doesn't even realize herself like, no, it's not that easy to be the brave hero that she always is. I don't always have the guts to do that. Yeah, and we're going to see the impact of some of that towards the end of the episode, too. But, but your point is excellent. And when you're watching a show like this, you tend to forget how much of a hero your lead is. And sometimes you need them interacting with, shall we say, more average folks to realize just how different they are. Yeah. And unfortunately, Bethany is the example here. Poor Bethany. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Poor one out for Bethany. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so she doesn't fare so well. And here we get our major gore. Like, I forgot how how bad that scene yeah, was. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in, in this week's postmortem, Emily actually mentions uh, Bleeding Art Industries, which is the 
the company that I mentioned last week and provided the link to. And uh, she talks about how this gore scene involved an apparatus that they created with a pump and raccoon lungs. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Gross. I had to rewind. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. it's grosser than I thought it was. <laughs> yep. Like I said, my, my, my apologies to some, to some fans back a couple of years ago when they were first watching and I've got, I don't know, there's not much horror really. It, it's open the first couple episodes. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's still a good amount of it in this episode. Ooh. Yeah. I forgot all about it. And <laughs> yeah. I think I blocked it out. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's not <laughs> horror. I wouldn't describe this as yeah. horror. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah. Sorry. No, so yeah. Gross. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> Um, and then Emily goes on to say that, or to joke about how her Google search history is a little sketchy. And she says, my Google search history is a travesty. I'm on so many watch lists. You have no idea. Every couple of months, I just type in, I am a television writer into Google in case I'm being monitored. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yes. <laughs> I know Noelle has, has made mention to, to those kinds of things too, just in, in all the different writing that they do, but. I thought that was pretty comical. It's like, yeah, if anyone really is checking it out, it's it's all for research purposes. That's right. And um, then we have Nicole in the hospital. And you know I don't like to see Nicole in peril. And uh, she looks rough, but good for someone who had to be resuscitated in the field, I have to say. She's bounced back quicker than I thought she would. Yes. And... Uh, She's very broken. She's very vulnerable. She's very weak. Not a side of Nicole that we see too often. And um, she has a little bit of a Southern twang in her voice that doesn't seem to stick around also. Might have been the uh, the drug she was on. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. She was out of it. And maybe the lack of oxygen to her brain <laughs> <laughs> made her go a little Southern. <laughs> um. And when she's asked what she remembers last, she says, Waverly Earp smiling at me from her front porch. And it reminds and me I, no, that's so all, much. That's all collectively. Oh, I know. I mean, that is such a, that is such a cutie. And that's such a key part here of season one and their relationship. And Waverly's about. right there to hear it. Yeah. And uh, it just reminds me so much of 412 when she and Waverly are smiling at each other on the front porch. Hmm. And it reminds me, too, of just I love how the porch has kind of become this focal point of so many things in their lives throughout the seasons. And it just I don't know. I just love that. It's not just the homestead, but like so many things happen on that porch. Right. We've got we've mm-hmm. got them sitting in the swings. We've got the face slaps. We've got um, I don't know. The porch just it becomes a life of its own in this in this series. Um, and in the scene, too for me, it just really points out how much Kat's acting has become so polished in like the remaining seasons. Because like, if you look at, at the performance in this episode, and then you look at season four, her growth is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. And just, I'm, I'm so in awe of, of everything that sh- like she's gone on to do, especially like in season four. Very true. And then, I mean, speaking of performances, Winona flinging herself out of the hospital bed and dragging herself across the floor. That's, that's a really f- cool scene. <laughs> Just like, she's like, I'm, I'm so tense watching it, even though I know what's going to happen. It's like, she just flings herself, falls on the floor, 
drags her herself across the floor. And I love that shot too, because her trusty fry boots are just like poised at the end of the bed, just waiting for her to like hop back in them and start kicking some butt. Um, but yeah, her performance in this whole episode just blows me away. You are not alone there. You are not alone there. This was definitely a defining point. I think certainly if you were someone watching in the early seasons, you're wondering, you know, like you mentioned, even just a couple minutes ago with Kat, seeing the force that is Melanie when it comes to portraying the character and the emotion we're going to see. Just yeah, right I've, there. Yeah. Right there, right in front of us. And then the scene in the hallway with Waverly back at the hospital, leaning on the wall, and she's, you know, sobbing about Winona. And good old Doc walks by and she goes to him for comfort, crying on his shoulder. And he's just like so sweet and comforting to her. And he's like, now, now, you know, she's tougher than a boiled owl, which mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what that reference is, but I, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Doc's Doc-isms. <laughs> and then Waverly just says, he's got like a shitload of knives. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I also love the way the three of them work, you know, trying to figure out what's going on from the info that Nicole's able to give them to Waverly's knowledge of the town to Doc's knowledge of bootlegging. You know, it's a great, it's a great banter back and forth. It is really fun. Like you can really see the Scooby gang really start to come together. And yes, yes. You've got, you know, Doc's old timey experience and Dolls' BBD training and I, I just love any time Waverly gets a chance to like pull out a map or a floor plan and just really show off her knowledge, <laughs> a murder board, whatever. I just love her when portable she's... murder board. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how she just knows it too. It's like, Oh, that guy, that guy's this, um, you know, she tells the, the date that uh, James buyer buyers, whiskey, Jimmy, um, she, she knows the dates. She knows their names. She knows their faces. I just, I love it. It's like she has a old timey revenant flashcards or trading cards or something. <laughs> it does come in very handy. And then I thought, why hasn't an erper come up with like baseball cards for all the revenants yet? Like trading cards, huh. like their date at the end, like who got them? Like <laughs> that's, that would be fun. Um, I like to, when they go to the fight club and they're, you know, they're strutting into the fight club and doc is like, the first rule is, and Dolls is like, yeah, yeah. Let me guess. No one talks about it. <laughs> and doc's like, what? If nobody talks about it, how are they going to know where it is? Wonderful to see the difference of years here. Yeah. And then when Reggie comes back, you know, we're back at Winona. And she has now somehow hoisted herself back up into the bed. And when he grabs those toe pincher things. No, 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 no. I know it's acting and he really isn't doing it. (laughs) But my whole body thinks he's doing it no matter how many times I watch it. Oh, it's (laughs) so bad. And, And she's just sitting there. And then I'm telling myself, well, of course, she's just sitting there. It's not like. I'm thinking, how is she acting that good? And I'm like, because he's not really doing it. But at the same time, I'm like, but she's so good. <laughs> Again, another performance thing you kind of can overlook till you realize what's involved in making that work. And and the body 
boy, she tenses up as yeah. you would have to do to try to be able to make like that's nothing. And then when he finally looks away, the way she just sighs. Yeah, she you know? lets it out when he's not yeah. looking. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, and then we get some more backstory here about her time in St. Victoria's and that she was given electric electroshock therapy every time uh, she told them about the demons, which was her telling the truth. They were like, you know, no, this is ridiculous. And they shocked her. And then she says that it made her really good at poker. And now she uh, doesn't have to shave her left leg either. <laughs> but I thought it was really good backstory and insight into how she's able to be so straight faced in so many of these situations. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's she's become really good at lying about things because nobody wanted to hear the truth anymore. And then um, Reggie points out that she uses humor as a line of self-defense. Which I thought was interesting too. Yeah. Well, she had no choice. Yeah. 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 That's again, if we start to realize and think about what she went through, you got to have something to get your head out of that situation without going crazy. Right. And again, how so many people think she's so broken and she's so damaged. It's like the more I learn about her, the more I'm like, it's amazing. She can do all these things, just, you know, have her wits about her and that she's. Yeah, she's a demon hunter and she's a killer, but she's so much more. She's she's so compassionate and just cares about all these people. Got all the way, no, no. Fight scene. Um, oh, right before we start the fight, this is when Doc gets the proof that Dolls was possibly going to turn him into Black Badge. And um, I love the mix between the modern and the old time in, in the show. And especially in this fighting scene where you have dolls is like, he's fighting with military precision. And then you've got doc. That's just all old timey fisticuffs and like, just put up your dukes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's scrappy. He's like a bar fighter. He's breaking bottles and just anything. Um, and I thought it was funny too, because he even punches dolls right in the nuts, which mm-hmm. reminded me of why Nona's like, punch in Nicole right in the hoo-ha. What I, what I saw in this part too was Dolls seems to be egging Doc on. So I don't know if that was Dolls' plan to like to get Doc to knock him out because he knew he would be able to bounce back. Because they needed, I think so. they needed would, an outcome, yeah. right? Like they needed to have a winner so that they would satisfy their end of the deal with Whiskey Jimmy. Um, so I, I feel like he wanted Doc to like come in harder because he knew he would rejuvenate or bounce back or whatever he does later on. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. I was going to ask you how you read that because that was, I think, him assessing the situation once he realized they had to have the fight and have someone go down for the count knowing his dragon mm-hmm. background and being able to, you know, the way the body would be seen would give them the chance to pull that off. So, yeah, I just thought that was dolls. Look at the situation, knowing he had some information that was going to make doc want to just clock him, which he did. Yeah. Cause he really is, he's trying to wind, wind him up. And I didn't, that's something I didn't really pay attention to in all my other passes through either. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but so, yeah, I feel like that outcome was a little rigged. Um. And then, yeah, so then we're getting some Bobo backstory, too, where Bobo's the one who gave Jimmy the documents and his reach is far and wide. 
Mm. Um, and then I noticed this time around too, when Doc is in Dolls's SUV and he's got the piece of paper that he got from Jimmy telling him where the entrance to the tunnels are, mm-hmm. it says the old abattoir. And that's where Bolshar ends up hanging out later. So Good like, catch. Oh, the abattoir. Yeah. Well, it's not like there's a ton of places in purgatory that the villains can go, shall we say. Right. Um, and then the scene where Reggie's looking down where he put Peacemaker and the key necklace. I just, I thought it was comical because it's a whiskey barrel. And I just thought it was funny. Like it's her drink of choice. And then all of her stuff is like in a whiskey barrel. Yeah. And I like that part where Wynonna says, you know how to tell where people keep their valuables or something like that. You know, set their house on fire. They'll go right for it. Yep. Yeah. Very smart. Again, her playing the situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and then in this scene too, Reggie's kind of bargaining with her and he's like, you know, if you let me go, or if you don't let me go, you're never going to find Officer Hot. And this is where you can see that Nicole's really part of Winona's group now, the group of people that she fights for, because she's like, you know, where is she? Did you kill her? Um, and yeah, she f- she fights for everyone, but you can see like there's that certain fire in her belly for this small group of people. And I think this is where you can see that Nicole is included in that now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um. And then we got Jack who enters the chat and um, when he starts talking about like, like Winona gets that nosebleed. Yeah. And then he says, why it's nose bled like that. When I first met him, what is that all about? Yeah. I don't know. It's one yeah. of those kernels of information that I'm always like, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. I know. Lots of speculation around that when we started seeing it, but. Not any real confirmation yet. No, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to get it either, which is kind (laughs) of awesome. It's just one of those things. It's like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And then Winona asks a great question. She's like, you know, why did Bobo send the posse of seven? Why didn't he just kill Ward himself? And Jack then starts telling her that Ward was a smart man. And he knew that if he was going to survive, he would need to make certain alliances and that he made a pact with Bobo Del Rey and that they indeed were very close friends. So I like how like we're getting these little seeds, this little more backstory about Bobo and knowing what we know now, it's just like so much is coming. Yeah. But I also, for me, this one uh, is just so, so much of a gut punch for Winona to think that her dad would have, would have been aligned or working in some way with Bobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that just talk about breaking her even more in this episode. She even says it to Jack that, no, it's, it's a lie. You're just making it up. But I mean, she can also tell, I think that no, he isn't. So yeah. This is just brutal knowledge for her to come upon. And you often have like the bad guys trying to plant that seed of doubt, yeah. but it's right. like, it's already like, as soon as it's there, like it's there, like you can't take it away now. So whether it's true or not, it's going to fester with her and just be like, is it true? Isn't it? And it's, it's so hard to find out the truth when someone's dead already. It's, you know, who are you going to ask? So, and then knowing that she knows that, like 
is she, you know, is she going to tell Waverly is, you know, automatically she's probably got all those feelings too, about like, can I shatter whatever feelings she could have possibly had about him, which we know he turns out to not be the greatest guy in the world, but it goes beyond drinking. It goes into like something like this, where he would possibly be working with the person who, who killed their sister. Mm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Yep. Yeah. No, I just was, you know, even as an audience member at this point, it was a bit of a gut punch to be like, no, that, you know, damn, you know, she's like, she doesn't already have a million other things to deal with. Now she's <laughs> got to realize that her dad was in some way cahoots with the big bad guy. Right. And here she's working towards like just, you know, getting rid of the seven. And it's like, are you going to even have a, a a sigh of relief at the end? Because now you've had this dumped on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was really something emotionally. Uh, and then we have Doc and Dolls. And, um, you know, it turns out Dolls reinvents himself or comes back to life or whatever. Doc is very flabbergasted by this. Um, and they're face-to-face, gun-to-gun. And now that they think Winona is safe, they're going to hash this out. And Doc says, you know, you, sir, are an asshole, but you're not a villain. And he wants to know why. Like, why Why were you going to sell me out? And this is where we find out that it was him or Winona. And um, Doc immediately understands. He, like, puts his weapon away. Uh, I just thought that really showed a lot of character there where it was like, okay. Because, you know, he would have probably done the same thing. Or at least we're starting to think that now. We're seeing this different side of him. Yeah, and it's another example too. As we jump to season four with Nicole making the deal with Ma'am mm-hmm. and Doc, you know, not really making a big deal of it. Again, he understands when people, himself having been there a few times, have to make these tough choices. Yeah, uh, I thought it was great that he, you know, all the way back here to this point in season one, as mad as he is at dolls, he totally gets it because we've been seeing some of the exchanges he's been having with Lucado and all and needing to come up with something to keep his job. And especially for somebody like Doc, who up until now has been what we think is driven purely by revenge to so easily be able to be like, okay, you know what? I get it. You would think he would just harbor these ill feelings. Um, but he even goes on to tell him that, you know, if you stand for nothing, you're sure to fall. So mm-hmm. I just, I really like that little peacekeeping moment that they have between them. This agree, you know, this time of. Oh, I say, yeah, this episode for the two of them is just great stuff in establishing where they're going to be at going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the face off with Jack and Winona, he's just. He's really good. He's a uh, Greg Gregory Brick. Is that who played Jack? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at this role. Just so creepy, so dead on. Just well, he's Jack the freaking Ripper. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talking about knowing how to to manipulate people and uh, you know play situations. I mean, whoa. You know, yeah, and it, you know, he's like, you know, what's next? What what happens after you kill the last of the seven? You'll still have to deal with the puppet master and Bobo Del Rey. 
who's the puppet master? Cootie or Bolshar? Do I mean I took that that that's one of those ones of the semantic of the sentence because I took it as the puppet master in Bobo Del Rey. Mm. Bobo Del Rey is the puppet master, but you could take that little pause like a comma, meaning there's someone else. Yeah. I was like, hmm, looking mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. What are we, mm-hmm. you know, because it's all so very vague. Um, and then he just goes on about how he wishes he could stay and watch what's coming next. And then he says a reunion. And I was like, does he mean Willa? Willa. Uh, an escape, so much blood. Um, and then he's like, you know, enjoy the fact that you've killed the great that you've solved the great mystery succeeded where Scotland Yard failed all by your lonesome. And I, I immediately knew what they were, what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we pretty much get verification at the end with Licato, but I was like, Scotland Yard, shut the front door right now. <laughs> I love how they tied in. Like they made a revenant, a, yeah. A serial yeah. killer. Like what a flip. And not just any serial killer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, all the other ones that, yeah, they were just like, like he's got to be like the most badass of all the revs mm-hmm. because, you know, he even says like, he wasn't, he wasn't that great of a guy before he was turned into a revenant either. Like, it's not just, be- it's not just because he's a revenant. You know, he, he was a horrible person to begin <laughs> to begin with. I just I love that twist. Like they took it from just your run of the mill revs and then really upped the ante with that one. And this is only what episode eight. There you go. <laughs> and then uh, then we have Winona on the floor, and she is just shattered after killing Jack. This whole, you know being kidnapped still like i don't know if she even knows if nicole is alive at this point because they haven't really had time to to tell her um but melanie scrifano man she's got the snot running down her nose giant tears and i know we've said it before and we'll say it over and over again but her and her face and those tears how i mean yeah Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this was such an impactful episode for me. And for any of us, if if you're taking the time to truly appreciate her acting range and ability to bring the emotion um, with, with not even words, just a look. And again, just thinking about what she went through in this episode, what she's gone through in her life, having Jack pull the rug out from underneath her talking about her dad and all that's going on here and finally getting to the end of the seven. It's just amazing. She isn't just even in more of a puddle on the floor. So her ability to deal with it and, and for us to appreciate her as an actress and what she brings, phenomenal, just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's just you want to reach to the television and like just give her the biggest hug in the world. And and again, you're right. She's not she's not saying anything. She's not delivering a line. She's just sitting there quietly, you know, sobbing, but her face just shows so much emotion and i like too how doc and dolls they're like just giving her a second right like you can see the compassion on their faces and they kind of just 
put their hands on each other's shoulders and they just kind of look at each other like, oh shit, like she's really been through it. Mm -hmm. I I know, I think you're aware of it. And, and I think, you know, some of the listeners certainly are, we'll try to put a link in the show notes, but this very much came together for me. There was a uh, interview that Mel did along with Shamir uh, back before the show had even premiered. This was at WonderCon convention takes place out in California and it was the weekend before the show had even premiered, but they were there doing some press uh, and some folks were talking, you know, naturally asking questions. And there was, there was a segment where Mel talked about um, a very personal thing that happened to her when she was young and how she was coming into her own still in, I think, high school age um, and how she used humor and, and some, you know, uh, less than nice folks, you know, were talking about that and, and how, that impacted her, what they thought of her and all. And she talked about how, and she got emotional, but she talked about how much Emily and, and this team allowed her and all of them as the actors to bring so much of this of themselves to the roles. And I just, I remember seeing this right around early in the season and then seeing this episode. And for me, it just, just boom. It was just an explosion for me in terms of appreciating what she does um, and how she creates the character and, and she gets us to just be right there, like you said, with her, where we just want to reach through the screen and give her a hug. Uh, it's just such a great example of her as a person using something uh, like that that can hurt you, but using it in a way that makes you stronger, much like Winona would. And I just, like, I'm always, anytime I see this episode, I think back to that interview and it just, you know, reminded me certainly when we were back in season one with it airing, like how, how freaking lucky are we to have her and this entire cast? This is before things had even exploded. We haven't even got to episode nine yet. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just, I got goosebumps talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, even I think it's in this uh, postmortem too, where, you know, Emily just talks about like, Winona is Mel. Mel is Winona. Like they yes. just they embody each other, and it it really is. The more you you watch, the more you you hear Melanie talk behind the scenes or at panels or, um, you know, in any of her interviews. The more you see, yes, she's still an actress, but it's just like the way she has just embraced and embodied Winona. It's it's hard as an outsider to see like where, <laughs> where Melanie starts and um, or stops and Winona starts because she's just, she does such a great job with these scenes and it just, the show's ability to, to go from, from gore to action to this immense sadness and tenderness all in the scope of, you know, 40 something minutes. I mean, what a roller coaster it's. Mm-hmm. And what an authentic roller coaster because we're all on it. We're not just watching it and appreciating it like golf clap, like, oh, nicely done. No, we're like right there rubbing the tears from our eyes, wanting to reach out to each of them. Yeah. And and I think too, like for me, it's kind of become like one of those classic uh Winona moves where we often see her sitting on the floor uh crying. Where like, you know, so often some of her scenes are like she's sitting at the base of a tree or she's you know sitting on the other side of the door when she gets the pregnancy results. Um, she's sitting on the floor here. Uh, I just like that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
the casualness of it and the, the, the change in um, the perspective where it just kind of like it brings you down. I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing it justice. What I'm trying to ex- describe, but yeah, this, this whole scene. And then, um, and then when, when Winona and Waverly are back at the homestead and Winona is lighting the photo on fire and she's telling Waverly that she needs to let go sometime. And Waverly says, maybe tomorrow. And <laughs> I think she's talking about herself, like, cause Waverly's holding on to Winona. She's just so happy to have her back. And she's like, you're going to need to let go sometime. <laughs> and Waverly's like, eh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm going to hang on to you. Just so, just so sweet and just so innocent. And just like, oh, I got you back. Never mind. And then Waverly asks, what now? As Winona walks off, because that's kind of what we're all asking at this point. Like, you got the seven. Now what? Yeah. Yeah, and at, at episode eight out of 13 in the season one. Yeah. But I also love the nature of that Herb sister moment at the homestead in front of the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Where we're going to have several other emotional ones. Just Waverly just putting her head, in, like I said, her, her head right on one on her shoulder. All it takes is a couple of seconds to realize the connection the two of these have, these folks have. Um you know, it it's, can't help but flood in a bunch of herb sister scenes in my mind. Uh, yeah. But but also this is going to set up as we're about to see. You know how how much this getting the seven is is going to really break Winona. I mean, we know come what's going to be happening in the next episode. She is just going to be, you know, fall over drunk and and not dealing with a lot of these things well. And it's it's right here in front of us, just yeah. in that quick scene as you laid out. With Waverly. Well, it's it's so fun because like as it is every week when we like get to the end of an episode, we're looking so forward to the next one and already wanting to like talk a little bit about that next episode. And it's it's just so funny about the next episode because the next episode, you know, is an episode, but then what happens with that episode later is just like <laughs> this kind of like weird grandhoggy, like I can't wait to get into that one because knowing how that flips in later on is so brilliant. Uh, I, I admit my like television automatically started going to the next one. And I was like 10 minutes in before I was like, stop, I can't, can't go to the next one. <laughs> I love, I love Emily's quote in the postmortem too, about that next one. And again, realizing that if you're reading this before you had even seen the episode nine, we're talking about some quote really delicious Waverly and Nicole hot interaction. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. No idea, folks. Had no idea. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but even that, she was like giving that much information. You know, kind of like I think she's not going to handle it so well, and there's going to be a lot of drinking and recklessness. And mm-hmm. boy, we sure see the the fruits of that labor much later on. Uh, we sure do. All puns intended. Uh, but before we, we sign off on that one, we see Licato and dolls and she's asking them, you know, you're trying to tell me, and I'm supposed to believe that you've caught the most notorious ser- serial killer in history, which then if anyone hadn't picked on it, picked up on it earlier when they talked about Scotland Yard, right. they'd probably put two and two together at this point. But yeah, Jack the Ripper. 
<laughs> that's, that's a big get. Uh, but it, of course, he can't prove it because he's gone, uh, which, you know, has to be a little irritating for Lucado as a boss to be like, you keep telling me you keep getting these great things. No proof. We have no evidence. Yeah. No and proof. Um, but what he does have is Whiskey Jimmy. And yeah. he's got some big plans for him. Well, and he's concerned too because he's got the the mole. Yeah, that information that Doc got a hold of the the report and the facts. You know, at this point, Dolls is like, "What the heck's going on here? I can't even trust my higher ups at Black Badge." Who is the mole? I don't remember who the mole was. I'm not sure we're going to get a specific on that. I think we've got a situation where a lot of this is going to be. The fact that Black Badge, that up till now we've thinking is this like, you know, straight laced, well run government organization. And we come to find out, man, is it just totally dysfunctional, right down to Lucado, even right. trying to run her agenda and everything else that's going to be happening too. So I think it's a case of where a lot is just. Just a lot of loose lips all over the place. Yeah, all around, all around with what's going on. Because I was trying to like searched my database of my brain i was like i don't remember one clear like it was so and so because no i don't think so for a minute i thought it was whiskey jimmy no i don't think so i think this is just again bobo having his fingers in so many things uh and able to get access to so much information create some of this situation of not knowing where it's coming from um and then lucado just having it out so much for dolls that she's just overlooking things i bet in some areas um, we're going to see some of that certainly by the time we get to the end of season one, with some of the choices she's making. So it, it just creates a lot of what's going on, what's going on, who's in charge. Right. Yeah. Uh, great episode. It's, you know, again, just all the little breadcrumbs that are dropped and, you know, we get these delicious little nuggets of what's what's to come with Bobo and we're seeing all these relationships just start to, to ebb and flow. And it's just so rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, the thing that will always stick for me though, is this is when it was time to go. Melanie Scrifano is effing amazing. Okay? We're, we're going to see plenty of more example, but I'm just saying this is where first time through the show, She's been great. She's been funny. We definitely, but seeing it here on the emotional side is where it really went. Oh, this, this is different level. This is going to be something to watch play. Now, do you think that's all her? Like she just can make her face do that. (laughs) It's not like eye drops or anything. Oh, I don't know. Hey, excuse me. I'm not on set. (laughs) I don't know what things are being used. Like, is that real smart? Like, how does she do that? I think it everybody, is. Everybody has mentioned, though, when you are acting in a scene with Melanie, you better be ready for anything. And you better, yeah. re- I mean, Tim certainly has, and many times on our podcast, talked about you better be ready for anything at any moment. She is just so present and so able to do these things that uh, you got you to gotta be ready. If she, so she I, could I, be I, cracking a joke, it, okay, let's hypothetically. I'm just having lunch with with Melanie, as I do. And she's cracking jokes one minute. And then if her face starts doing that, I'm going to start crying. Like, there's no way I wouldn't just immediately 
fall apart if that was happening in front of me. So, oh, oh. well, and I think uh, going on memory, which is not very good, but I, I know I've talked on multiple occasions about how, you know, and, and even the great example of the Herb Sister panel at Herb Expo, when I talked to Mel for a couple of minutes right afterwards, when we were walking to go do a, a photo, Herb Sister photo group shoot, complimenting her how I thought the panel went so well. And she, while not surprised, was a little like, oh, good, glad to hear it. And she almost said, you know, because she's mentioned how when she is so in the moment, whether acting, during panels, interviews, whatever it is she does, she loses herself so much in that moment, she often doesn't remember it, Mm -hmm. she said. But that's usually a great sign that something went really well when she was talking about, for example, that panel. And I can just see her now doing scenes and things like this where it's, you know, a, a switch gets flipped, which is usually just action or whatever. And boom, she, she makes it happen. Yeah. And it's, I, I just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around it because it just seems like such a gift and such a talent. And uh, it, it's, I'm in awe because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I, she makes it seem effortless but I'm not saying by and like it has got to be such a craft that she has just like honed because to make something like that seem effortless, you, you've got to just be really good and have worked really hard. And she's and just, just thinking ahead to all the scenes we're still going to see when she is just going to have tears streaming down her face. I mean, the, yeah, the the Alice birth, I mean, talking to Peacemaker sitting in front of the, the fireplace, just tears running down yeah. her face with Waverly, all these other ones that are still going to be to come. And it's just like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like you feel I'm, like she's I'm like welling up just thinking going about it. through, like actually going through it. And, and, and the same, you know, with Dom in the Jolene scenes, but um, yeah, like I've heard other actors like in interviews before say like, you know, people said, how do you, how do you get to that spot? that point and i've heard people say like they pinch them like how do you cry and they're like oh i pinch myself like in when mm-hmm. i put my hand in my pocket and like pinch my thigh really hard or whatever and it's just like no it's just like she can like dig down deep into her soul and all of a sudden just pour her heart out and you're like that's really happening to her right now <laughs> like, it's just amazing <laughs> yep uh, it is they I get to witness it. Yeah, I hope they know how amazing they are. I, I, I think they've got an idea, but again, they're they're so humble about it that they don't let it go to their their heads, which I think is another thing that draws us all in. No, but that's also one of those things for those of you that if you were around back in 2016 when this thing was airing, and again, so 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 under the radar. I mean, this was one of those ones you look around and go, how can anyone else not be seeing what they're putting on screen? <laughs> how is there not more media talking about these actors, this show, this group? So the fact that it was able to stay on the air and right. our fandom was able to rally and make, you know, to give these folks an opportunity to get more seasons, to eventually get more awareness from the media and other, you know, the increase in fans. It, it sometimes make you wonder in the TV world, how many other shows, great actors have been on shows that just never got their chance, you know, died out after a single season or less that, mm-hmm. that, you know, might also be talented. So there's some certain amount of luck too, but just so blessed that we were able to, you know, I say we meaning all of us as fans keep this, 
show helped to keep it around. So we got more opportunities just to see these folks be able to do even more of it. Right. I mean, and Emily's talked about it too, like, you know, it, in interviews about how, you know, oh, it, it took us maybe like four episodes to really kind of get ourselves situated and, and, and things figured out. I mean, but anyone who's, who's watched the show from here on out, like you can just see the show's got legs, like in, in mm-hmm. the past few episodes as well. But if you've gotten to this point by now and you're not like, oh my God, the show is amazing. I, I don't know what else to do for you. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I suspect the vast majority of people listening to the two of us are nodding along, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. But- I know it is sometimes you know, a little dumbfounding when you think about uh, ah, the TV world. What can you say? Quality right. does not always. Throat. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't yeah. always get seen by the people it should. Trust me, I'm watching some shows right now, and I'm like, I'm watching this, but this is no Winona Earth. And this, that is for I, sure. I know, and there's nothing wrong. It's not putting one in my mind, putting any show above another, or saying, you know, if you love reality TV or or whatever it is, that there's anything wrong with that or anything. But, but you know, when you got something like this, it is just. Oh, I'm preaching the choir. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's like, yeah, I love chocolate, but like, you know, there's always one chocolate bar that's just like, this is great. But if I don't have that, I'll, I'll eat this chocolate bar. But yeah. I really yeah. wish it was all Winona Earp caliber chocolate bar. But, but yeah, I mean, here at, at eight episodes down now, with five to go, as we know, we've got to have nine. What's coming with Way Hot? What's going to start to play out with Willa showing up? Everything else that's going to go crazy with Black Badge as we get towards, I mean, things are just, man, this train has just started and it is now going. And uh, I am so excited to just start getting into more of these. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jack talking about a reunion, like, and, you know, how do, how do the revenants know what's coming? Like, do they have a newsletter? Like, how did Jack <laughs> know? Like, well, for someone like that, who's been around a hundred and some odd years, he kind of knows as he keeps coming back, how often things are going to be yeah. cyclical. And know? he even said he's, he's had his eye on Winona for a while. So yeah. It's like- yeah, he knew the differences between her and what, a couple of the other, um, her pairs besides Ward mm-hmm. too. So, you know, he's, you know, Someone who pays attention to all that, I'm sure some of the revenants who aren't totally crazy, they know which ones have been more work than others. And how scary is that? Like, you've got the ERP, you know, you've got Waverly, who's who's the ERP historian. There's like some revenant historian who's like got all the details about other ERPs too. Like, Mm -hmm. they're they're researching the revs, but some of the revs are researching them too. So it goes both ways. Yeah, it does. Frightening. All the stuff with Bobo coming. I can't wait to get to the vision quest. <laughs> Just really go down a hole with that Pace one. Pace ourselves. Pace <laughs> ourselves. We're only eight in out of 49. I mean, I think I'm going to like the next episode too, but. I have a hunch. I have a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you like listening along, you can visit up visit us at herbologypodcast.com and you can leave us a voicemail if you want to tell us something by clicking the microphone in the bottom right hand of the page you can email us uh, at herbologypodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on twitter at herbology underscore pod we love hearing from you Uh, we're having a blast 
yeah and it's been wonderful too um some folks as they're finding the podcast and are you know listening to our early episodes tweeting about it you know keep it coming folks there is no expiration date on this whether you're just finding us you know or this episode or you've been binging a bunch of them or taking your time just feel free to share any thoughts we'd love to see it on, on twitter it's a lot of fun for me. yeah and we know uh you know the the, the nice thing is that there is a, quite a bit of of burp podcast content out there now so Mm-hmm. It's great, and we get it if you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many podcasts to listen to right now. Um, like Kevin said, we, we don't care how long it takes you to get here as long as you get here. Yeah, you're having fun. That's great. Let us know. We are too. All right. Well, until next time, bye. Take care, all. <laughs>